This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind MAPCO at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542. 6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes.
Welcome, Laura. How are you? I'm good. Rich, I'm grateful to have to be on here today. It's awesome to have you here. I'm glad uh, you're feeling better and we're able to get you on here and uh, hear your story. And especially like we were talking in a pre-show, I couldn't do what you do in your house with that many children. And uh, being able to create a system where for other moms to actually work those issues. And even if it's two kids or 10 like yourself, because you you had to go crazy and get 10. But <laughs> you had to be the champion, the Olympic champion there with 10 kids. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's awesome. If if you'd like to, just tell us a little more about your story from as far back as you want to go to how we got to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. So for as long as I can remember, I've wanted to adopt. And that was kind of a deal breaker with my husband and I. And I, like, if we're getting married, we're going to adopt kind of thing. And so after our third biological, we said, you know what, we really need to jump on the adoption train because if we have any more kids, like, I don't think I'm going <laughs> to, I don't think I'm going to want to have any, like, we're not going to be able to adopt because that's just too many kids, right? Which is kind of funny now because um, <laughs> of the number of children we have. And so we went to an adoption class at our church and learned all about adoption and like all the different kinds of adoption and the foster care panel got up and they started talking about foster care. And we knew we did not want to do that, you know, because nobody likes getting their heart ripped open like a hundred times over. And when they were up there talking, we both look at each other and go, Oh crap, this is what we're supposed to be doing. It was like an instantaneous, like, this is what, this is it. This is what we need to be doing. And so we got licensed and got Andrew placed in our home when he was eight days old. No, three days old. I'm so sorry. And then he went back to his mom at eight months. And after he went back to his mom, she had two more kids. We had two more kids. They got put, all three of them got put back in care and um, brides ended up being terminated. And we ended up, we had moved to Seattle for a hot minute. And so we ended up moving back from Seattle to Texas so that we could adopt the three of them. And so in six months, we had our fifth biological moved across the country and adopted three more. And um, it was kind of chaotic as I'm sure you can imagine. We had five little people, four and under all in diapers. And <laughs> I just, I would stand up against the wall and be like, if I can just make it to bedtime, like that was my goal in life, just to make it to bedtime where they're all in their beds safe, you know? Um, and I realized finally, I'm like, we can't live this way. This is not what I, this is not what I want out of motherhood. Right. And so started reading books, listening to podcasts, trying all the things and nobody had a system for a family of 10 with some special needs, kids, therapists, and caseworkers in and out of our home all the time. And so I finally just had to kind of create our own systems that worked for our family and um, with things that we wanted to prioritize. And so from there, after that, we had peace in our home, it, you know, it gets loud. It gets crazy sometimes, but for the most part, we have a very peaceful home. And after that, I was like, you know what? I think that I could help other people do this. And I started helping my friends and it was so fun. And for me, it's like putting a puzzle together, right? Like figuring out all the pieces of your life and how we can make them most efficient. And so now I get to do that with other moms too. So that's what I do. Does that mean now you not only you're using your systems in your house, but you're also helping others. So you're raising 10 kids and then helping other moms raise their, their families as well. So your job doesn't end at all until you pass out at night, probably. <laughs> well, I enjoy it. And I, you know, part of my systems is that I create time for self-care that I delegate a lot. Like I'm not doing this all on my own. So I don't deserve any awards or anything like that. I do a really <laughs> good job of delegating things. Nice. I mean, what's your oldest right now? She's 16. Oh, so you have some help in the house. Yes, we try so, really hard not to rely on her at all, just because 
that's every oldest child's complaint is that they, you know, were in charge of the kids. And so and we try really hard to hire babysitters and do things like that so that she never has a reason to say that, you know? I had to raise them when you weren't here. Yes. <laughs> no, we don't want her to ever say that. <laughs> to anybody. No. If you had to look back now when you only had your three and you then you exploded to 10 there, um, what tips would you have hoped someone gave you at that time to help you raise that family when you went into that number system to 10? Yeah, there's so many things. I think just the reality, one of the blessings I like to call it of like just jumping head on into the chaos of all of that was that I learned very quickly that I can't do it all. Like I can't have a perfectly nice and neat house while the kids look so great and they're on their best behavior and all of these things. Like it's just not possible. And I think when you just have a few kids, maybe you're under the illusion that you do have some control over life. And, and I think that's a blessing to get to that place of just like a rock bottom of like, I can't do it all, you know? Um, and so the advice of, hey, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to take care of yourself, like to avoid burnout. Like that's a really good thing to do self-care. And so um, I think those would be the, my two main ones that I would want to just come alongside me and, and tell me at that time. I'm sure that would have helped you out a lot. And I'm sure now you pass that on to those you, you coach and teach along the way now. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And that. Uh, I know in my family, there was four of us. I was the youngest, so I didn't get to babysit anybody. I just learned a lot of lessons from my <laughs> older siblings' mistakes of anything they got in trouble for. I kind of kept that mental note not to do that because dad or mom gets pretty mad about that. So don't do that or try to get away with it a little better than they did. So you learn a little things when you're the youngest. As the oldest, like you said, you're always worried about that one time when mom and dad go out and hey, you got to watch them. Then when you, yeah. you gotta tape them to a chair so you can do things with your <laughs> friends or things like that. But it, I, I'm sure you're doing a lot better than that. And as you already stated with your oldest daughter, you kind of let her, her be a teenager and be a 16-year-old. Because now she's into her adult, almost a pre-adult life now, driving probably, yeah. also adding more stress to you. Yeah, she's very responsible. So she does not add that much stress. She's pretty wonderful. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So with your with your, your team there, did you create a team mentality with that, with all the children to have them all join in and help you along the way? And then of course, spread that to your, those you coach. Yes. Um, so part of me delegating out things is building the team mentality at home. And so I'm not doing everything by myself. Um, and so one of the ways that we do that is everybody has very specific expectations. Um, so chores and not only like assigned expectations, but then expectations of what those assignments should look like, right? And how they should execute on them. Um, and so one of my favorite things to talk about is our five o'clock jobs. And this is, we have an alarm set for 5 p.m. And it's super easy. Like it's not, this is nothing profound, right? But I will often forget to feed my people. Like just because, you know, you're like, oh shoot, it's seven o'clock, nobody's eaten, it's time for bed. Like, and this is a common thing among moms, I think. It's not just me. But you just kind of get carried away with the day and you like, you realize how late it is and you're like, I need to feed people. I need to get to bed. Like, so I set the alarm and that's when I go into the kitchen and prep dinner. And at that same time, the kids hear the alarm. I announce five o'clock jobs and then they come in and they each have a job one to help get ready for dinner. So that could be setting out silverware on the table or getting drinks ready or whatever. And two, they each have a zone. So my goal with the zones is that when I go to bed at night, the house is picked up. So I'm not going around and picking up things, but everybody has had, 
their chance to be in charge of their thing. So it could be like the living room or the Legos or whatever, but they're in charge of cleaning that up. And then three, they're ready for school for the next day. So lunch is packed, clothes laid out, shoes, glasses, everything by the front door so that they're ready to go. That's outstanding. I, I couldn't get my one daughter to do that or that <laughs> granddaughter. So <laughs> I guess I'm not really, I wasn't really home much when she was growing up. So I, I can take some of the credit off of me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's great because as a mom, like instead of being in there trying to do dinner and um, just being kind of ticked off and bitter that I'm doing everything and the kids are in there making a huge mess of the room I just cleaned up. Right. all working together and it's just this beautiful picture of what a family is supposed to look like so once you started getting the, the system in place and getting them to do their chores at the, the five o'clock uh, like the five o'clock jobs thing i wrote that down and uh did you start to see that you found more space for you to actually do that self-care and then able to perform that up for yourself yeah absolutely how long did that take um i mean not long because like, let's take the five o'clock jobs, for example, after dinner, everybody has their assignment of what they're supposed to be doing. Right. So kids are clearing the table. So I'm not in there all night long, like doing dishes, putting dishes away, um, picking up toys, like all the things that I used to like fall into bed, like I had to do before I fell into bed. Those are all taken care of. And so I can, I mean, I'm a glass of wine right now. I can have my glass of wine and put my feet up and watch a show with my husband and, we still have 10 young children around the house, you know? Yeah. And so um, there's a lot of ways that that just, just little tiny things that free you up, allow you to make time for yourself and really prioritize the things that matter to you. And that's awesome. It's an awesome feat and uh, having the team and to work together and your husband's the other part of the team there. So, you know, I know both of you worry about their upbringing and worry about their well being all day long. And I'm not sure if he works from home or he, if he's off work, off at work at during the day while you're corralling the house up and then he comes home and helps out when he gets home. But having both of you on board is, is very important in the whole system. I bet. It definitely is. I'm sure that helps you in your mindset say, all right, you're with me. You're with me a hundred percent on this and we're going to make this work out. <laughs> yeah. And there's times that like for, for our roles, he's really good at being like, let the kids do it. Like they're capable of doing it. Don't take away their heart. And I'm like, oh, but he's had a hard day. And I like try to do stuff for them. And so he's really good about reminding me that they're capable and it is good for them to have responsibilities and it's good for them to stumble and fail. And this is a safe place to do that. So that's always good. It's like yin and yang. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so he it takes is. away the, oh, they're going to get hurt. It takes it away. I'm like, I'm kind of like him where they got to fall and get hurt. If they don't get hurt, they're never going to understand. So bleed and come back. We'll, we'll tape you up. You'll be all right. I learned that the hard way. So, <laughs> so we, when it, as you as humans to learn a new task or learn something new, you got to do it for say twenty one days straight to pre get that into your mind to do it. How do you get the them to create rhythms and routines and their new newfound ways to do things in say a week or so? Our kids, anybody, even if the people you're coaching. Yeah. Um, so I. Like in setting those really clear expectations, I think that that needs to happen in some, not a formal setting, but we call it team meetings at our house, right? So we'll all sit around the table if we're like launching a new system or we're switching up chores, which we don't, we do that very rarely because I like to have consistency and um, 
I feel like it takes more work for me if things aren't consistent. It takes more work for the kids. There's more arguing involved, all of those things. So to eliminate that, I love consistency. So when we do, like if it's summertime now and we have more kids home or whatever, we're going to sit down and have a team meeting and we kind of go over everybody's responsibilities, what's required of them. I have it all on a chart. So each kid has their own chart with like a character on it that they're excited about, which is kind of key because they get really excited about their charts, especially if there's like Spider-Man or Marvel or something on it. Right. I don't think I said that properly. Any Marvel character. Yeah, there you go. You know, there you go. Um, so they're super excited about their charts and we have, we already have that rhythm built in of, Hey, five o'clock we're doing this. And so then they just have their charts and they know I can go look at my chart and figure out what I need to do. Or after a while they kind of gather what those are supposed to be. Like it's, it doesn't take long for them to, to pick onto those things just because we have been doing it for so long. That's awesome. And I, I like the, the character thing because especially younger kids, they need to see something that they gravitate to or, or it's like a magnet to them or like Elsa for a lot of the young girls now frozen is still the thing. I still don't understand it, but it's, it's the thing. You just got to let it go and let them do what they do. <laughs> Run around in little blue dresses and, and throw freeze bombs at you. But that's something that we, we learn as adults that sometimes you just got to let them have that thing they love and let them be happy about it. And I think that's perfect to have them have that on their task list and they go to that and say, hey, Spidey or the Marvel character or Elsa, if, if that's one of them under on there, <laughs> they can go up there and be happy and do their job. And if adults would work like that, it'd be great. It would. Well, I think we do work better when we have a cute planner or cute <laughs> something. Like I'm much more inclined to do it, to check it off if I have something aesthetically pleasing. So, I mean, <laughs> I think it's worth it. See, it's worth it. See, we'll have to, we'll have to remedy that one too. Get, <laughs> get more uh, uh, eye appeasing things for us to look at instead of marble notebooks like I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you were creating Mama Systems, when that light bulb came in your head, how long did it take you from uh, idea to launch? Um, a month. I had kind of a month run. I mean, we are just very slow. I put in the paperwork kind of coach friends started out with like 10 clients, you know, just very slowly, but decided November that I wanted to do it, I guess. And then took all of December to kind of build suspense and then launched like December 28th. So. I mean, it's still not, you said it's slow, but a month is not long from concept to launch. That's pretty good. Actually. Uh, for <laughs> most entrepreneurs we talk to, it's usually, I have an idea in January and by December, I'm launched because I had wanted to get every every duck in a row before I started. Every piece of paper had to be perfect and I had to get it out there. So. Yeah, I don't operate that way. And maybe I should. Maybe my life would be better, but I'm I'm more of a let's do it. Like what's taking us so long, you know? <laughs> I didn't like the idea of holding it out for a month. I was ready to rock and roll the moment I thought of the idea. So you were already twitching it as soon as you had the concept in your head. <laughs> And that's, I mean, that's a good thing too, because that's an entrepreneurial spirit of yours right there. And the go-getter, you want to get things done now. That's part of your task, uh, your task motivation there without having the character yet until later on. And I'm sure in a journey when the characters came in. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very true. So what has been your biggest uh, challenge with the, with the business side of it, not the family side, the business side of it? Yeah. I think just the, just the business part of it. Like I love the people, I love the coaching, but then all the like fine print stuff, I don't do that well. And so 
and that like I think of taxes and forms and things like that that I'm like oh well let's so I just hire somebody out right yeah <laughs> um so that's that's like my least favorite part when I'm trying to when I have to put so much work into trying to figure something out like figure out a form figure out when I'm supposed to file taxes what website am I supposed to go on to do that not like the IRS taxes but like the see I don't even know I don't even know what call oh you have to do city and state there I'm sure so we don't have city and state taxes Oh, see, so you're lucky. <laughs> it's like the franchise tax. Somebody's on the other end of this thinking like that lady needs to get her act together. That's but why I have an accountant. <laughs> it's always good to have the, a person, a yes. guy or a girl. I, I got a girl for that. I got a guy for that. And that's yes. why people say that because they don't want to do everything. Once you start working so much in your business, you don't want to be part of it anymore. You, you'll fade away and say, this isn't, I can't do everything and everything for everybody. Someone has to help me too. And like you said earlier, you got to know when to raise their hand and say, I need help as well. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, that, it's good that to know that. <laughs> and knowing um, most of us know when, a, know we have a shortcoming or a weakness uh, and a lot of us are hard-headed and don't ask for help. And the, we'll just keep nugging along until finally we crash into a wall and someone says, hey, you probably should have called this person. They'll wait. They'll watch you fall first before they tell you that. But you should have called this person. They they probably could have helped you right away. Oh, thanks a lot. And I'm glad that you have already found that because it seems like you once you get going, you don't want to stop. You just want to keep getting get the the tree going. Keep the tree of the team growing. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you feel like being in the military? Do you feel like that makes it more difficult to ask for help? Like I, I make up, there's either two options here of like, you're tougher and you're a lot cooler and you don't need anybody's help. Or you've realized that team is like all you need in life. And of course I'm going to rely on everybody else. It's a, it's a double edge. Uh, I guess a two ways you can think of that. There's some people that are very hard headed and I got to do everything. Mm -hmm. And there's people that understand that even when you're in charge, you don't really do everything. Mm -hmm. You have a, a complete team below you. And around you that makes you look better than you really are so i always wound up luckily to have great soldiers around me that were a lot smarter than me a lot better than me that would make me look amazing and i just basically had to be there to protect them from others to make sure they were good so for us asking for help for certain things like say getting mental health help and stuff like that we're hard-headed we won't ask for help we'll try to do all that by ourselves but to build a house we'll, we'll bring that team in to build a house but to keep our own house built or our own head built, we will not ask for help until it's probably knocking on the door saying, Hey, I'm going to the doctor now. Cause I think I'm down. And that's the, that's the hard part of the, the military mind. Hmm. So, so if that, if that helps you. <laughs> yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a mindset thing. And the longer you're in the, the more some guys and gals get more and more hard headed in. It just happens. I'm not sure if it's just a metamorphosis of being around other hard-headed people. <laughs> I kind of came in hard-headed because I grew up where I grew up. And then as I grew in the Army, I kind of matured a lot more being around other people and from all over the country and learning different leadership styles, learning different ways of doing things. So as a young leader, I was probably horrible. As I got older, I got much better at asking for help and delegating a lot more and just sitting back and relaxing and watching the show. Which one do you feel is more life-giving to you? I think the delegating, sitting back, relaxing, and watching the show. Okay. Because you get to watch those who you're teaching, coaching, and mentoring become you and pass you and fly by you and do better, better things for the world right now. I love that. So it's more Thank fulfilling. Thank you for sharing that. 
No problem. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> now I'm on your show. See, <laughs> <laughs> what other area are you more uh, are you passionate about besides your business, besides your family? What else do do you find passion or hobbies, or yeah. do you have time for hobbies? <laughs> I well, I I do. I love hanging out with my friends. I love gardening. I love um, like I try really hard to be a woodworker. <laughs> I'm not good at it at all, but I really enjoy it. Um, I love just anything, anything creating wise. I just love being a part of that. I think it's amazing. Um, and then not hobby wise, but something I'm very passionate about is the FASD community. So our three little buddies have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and our three that we adopted from foster care. And, um, you know, that's just been a, I mean, that's a whole nother situation here because when we got them, we were told from foster care many, many times that, you know, once they come into your home, they're going to be a little delayed. They're going to be a little behind, but once they feel safe, you know, they're going to catch up behavior issues are going to die down, whatever. We kept waiting for that to happen. It did not happen. And it wasn't until one of our kids had a seizure that I like taking him in and they said, yeah, he's really slow, like developmentally and um, processing speed. And I really just had no idea. I had not grown up around anybody who had special needs and I was just kind of clueless about it. So um, the slow processing speed and global delay were all new, new terms to me. And what I learned was he kept saying intellectual and developmental delay. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And so when I came home, I like looked it up and I was like, Oh, it's the new PC term for mental retardation. And I had a hat for that. Like I had a peg for that in my head. It's like, okay, they're going to be with us for a long time. Like that was kind of my first realization. And as we kind of kept going in our journey more and more, I learned that, Hey, these guys have FASD and this affects everything. Like there's so many weird behavior things and some, I mean, just so many things. Um, there's so many comorbidities to FASD. So autism, bipolar, schizophrenia, um, depression, anxiety, IDD, like you name it, you get it with FASD and it's kind of, it's a lot. So I found that there's not many resources out there for families who have kids with FASD. There's not education in the foster care systems. There's not services in the government. There's like rarely doctors who will even diagnose it, but there's not many clinics. Like there's a handful in the whole country. I mean, there's just, there's none. Like we just need more services, need more people who know what this is. Um, Cause we have behaviors and we have things that I'm like trying to explain to teachers and police officers. And they're like, what, what is that? Can you explain that to me again? And you're like, gosh, guys, you should know this already. All that to say, I feel very passionate about FASD and educating others. And um, we're trying to get a clinic up here in the Dallas area because we had to go over to California to get a diagnosis for our kids, wow. which is ridiculous because it's Dallas and it's Texas. Like there should be something here, right? Right. There's not. Wow. I think something closer like uh, St. Jude's in Memphis or something like that or Vanderbilt here in Nashville. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a St. Jude's. We have a great children's hospital, but... Nothing. Nothing FASD. Wow. And the really sad thing about that is that FASD is two and a half times more likely than autism. Wow. One in 20 children in our school systems have some form of FASD. This is according to the CDC. So if you want to look that up, you can get more, get more information. <laughs> oh, wow. Educate yourself. 
it's all around us. Our prison systems are full. The streets are full, like the homeless population. It's a, it's a big problem and we are not addressing it as a nation and we need to be. It so. seemed like uh, when, when you were going through the adoption process, they kind of like sugarcoated it for it to make it seem like it wasn't that bad of a thing for you. So you, yeah. just they were afraid you probably wouldn't, you might not go through or someone probably did not go through an adoption because of that prior. So if we want these kids to get a home, we have to sugarcoat everything because we don't want to tell them what really can happen. And yeah. That, and the sad thing is, is that if you're on the other side of it and I'm like, we're, we're not, sending them back anywhere like we're committed to these kids right but it would have been really nice to know because what happens their behavior is not changing and you said that when i do x y and z provide them a safe home try to connect with them give them everything they need they're going to catch up but i provided those things and they're not catching up so i must be doing something wrong this has to fall on me this is my fault and so then parents start doubting themselves and their qualifications for even raising this child and that's when you have like the unadoptions and all of those things. So I get kind of fiery and I'm so sorry. That's good. That's what we look for. We look for passion here. <laughs> and, uh, I never had someone talk about FASD before like this. And I didn't know that there was no care. You had to go so far to get actual diagnosis and maybe a care plan for like going all the way to California from Dallas. That's I mean, California is a whole of the world compared to Texas. So getting out there and finding a doc that's going to say, yes, this is what it is. And this is, what you're going to deal with, or maybe this is the kind of care you're going to have to look for. And that's, that's ridiculous that you have to go that far. And hopefully through your efforts of advocacy for it now, maybe it'll help uh, open some eyes and maybe get more care in more places. So people don't have to travel that far to maybe help the ones they love. Yeah. I think that would be amazing. So I was going to ask you about the learning curve of adoption and right there, that that's that part of the learning curve is a very steep curve. It's almost a, a 90 degree straight up for you there. Uh, what other obstacles were there in adoption that you weren't ready for that now you are gung ho about now that you can you can teach coach and mentor about adoption? Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm the best person <laughs> to talk to about this. <laughs> I feel like my response should be like be a big adoption advocate. And I think that where I've like shifted gears here is where I would say, Rich, if you want to adopt, you need to be hundred percent sure. Like you need to make sure that that's, that's really what you're called to do because it's so stinking hard. And I don't feel like this is drilled in enough. It's so hard. It is so hard. It's so hard to keep showing up day after day and just being vigilant all the time. And, um, even if your kids don't have FASD, there's just a lot of struggles. And I know that there's so many parents out there that have kids that they've adopted and they don't seem to have any problems. And I'm like, kudos to you. I've worked with a lot of moms that do. And so I think just being so sure about what you're called to do and having that commitment level of like, I'm going to commitment to you. I'm going to be your mom no matter what forever and ever. Like that's not something I'm going to break. Right. Having that nailed down at the beginning, I think is so important. And I think if you go in half-heartedly or if it's just you and not your spouse or, I mean, any number of other things, like not a good idea. Don't proceed. Don't win a hundred percent or don't go at all. That's, good. That's mm -hmm. good advice right there. I mean, we watched a movie like uh, Instant Family with Mark Wahlberg where he winds up adopting three siblings, uh, one's a teenager and two little ones. And they show just the struggles while they're in the foster as the foster part of it, of dealing with the emotions of the children and the, the scarring from the kids because two their mom was uh, into drugs and what they went through watching mom on drugs, mom going to jail, 
and basically feeling the abandonment and getting the teddy bears from going to court, the court bears and stuff like that. Just seeing that on on the on the tube or on on the movie theater, you see a, a small fraction of what you have gone through and what you have you and your husband have experienced. So those three kids finally at the end become adopted by them and it's all lovey dovey then but the struggle to get them there i mean it's just a snapshot in the movie you know that they there was a lot of blood sweat and tears to get them to the point where yes we're a family we're we're now this we're the ex family whatever and everything is so happy but to get there and to keep it there is a struggle yeah and you may never get there right might lose all your hair and pull it out because you're angry all the time. You don't know if you're doing anything wrong or if you're doing anything right, but no matter what you do, it doesn't work. Yeah. And I think there's a difference in like, so we, a part of me has just for my mental health has had to come to acceptance of um, like a few of ours have reactive attachment disorder. And so there's just with attachment disorders, you can't attach. And so coming to that realization of, Hey, I'm going to show up and I'm going to love you the best way I can, but I, there's not going to be this attachment like I have with my biological kids and being okay with that and still providing the best quality care for everyone in the family. And, um, and I'm so sorry about whoever's knocking on the door right now. Um, just having that commitment to, Hey, we're, we're going to still be a family and we can still have a joy filled household. But I feel like that lovey dovey connection that's often portrayed in adoptive families, um, that's not always, that's not always the feelings that you feel, you know? Right. Do you want to take a quick break? We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Laura Hernandez in about three minutes. When the sun goes down and the evening rolls around, that's the time I America's premium beer since 1844. Pabst, a lot to look forward to. Liz, uh, thanks for sticking with us here on About Face Radio and Electrocast Media. Uh, Laura, we were talking about being uh, all in or don't do it for adoption and being passionate about what you do. And I, I think you, you shared a great story there for, from what you went through and the things, the life lessons you've learned along the way can really help others. And I, I think uh, what you're doing for the advocacy side for FS, FASD and of course, helping other moms to get to a better place is awesome. Uh, so kudos to you for that. Thank you. I mean, you just handled the interruption there pretty Pretty calmly uh, in the old days, <laughs> in a shoe or something thrown at the door. <laughs> yeah, the three-year-old doesn't really understand that the locked door means 
not right now. Don't come in. Yeah. Oh, I understand that. <laughs> that's awesome, though. It's awesome that they they feel comfortable enough just to walk in and talk to you. So that's that's also looks at what you have done and how you are doing things. So good work. Thank you. It's very kind. <laughs> so the top ten things. Of, well, I don't want to go ten. Top five things that you've helped other moms deal with from no matter how big their families are. If they were struggling, what are what are the best things that you've seen success-wise for other moms that you've helped? Yeah, so many things. Um, <laughs> like weekly rhythms and daily rhythms are huge. I think a mom knowing what she's supposed to be doing. So like waking up in the morning and knowing my tasks today are this. So so often as mamas, you know, we can't compartmentalize like you guys can, and so we walk out into the house and I see all the dishes. I see the laundry. I see the bathroom needs to be cleaned. I see a mess on the floor. Like all of the things have just been added to my to-do list and I need to get them all done right now. And so one of my goals is to kind of help mamas piece things out in such a way that it's not so overwhelming that we can get to those things when, when we need to get to them. And then we can trust our systems so that we can rest and like rely on our systems, you know? not stressed out about things. And so we work on things like that, helping, helping mamas come up with good routines in the day where they're able to schedule in some self-care throughout the day, um, helping with chore systems in the home, like building that team mentality, um, helping with meal planning and figuring out a good rhythm for feeding all the people all the time. You know, we feed them like 30 plus times a week. That's a whole lot of food. I did the math today of like, after everyone is gone from my house, it'll be about 18, 19,000 meals. That's like with three, three meals and a snack that are <laughs> fed everybody by the time they're done. That's a lot of food. Yes, it is. Right. So, I mean, just all the planning and thinking for that, our minds get so bogged down with that. So if we can simplify any of these processes, that's freed up time so that I can take care of me. And so my last one is definitely self-care and making sure that mama has a plan for self-care, a plan for taking care of not only her body and her mind, but her soul and um, her marriage and her motherhood, like being able to love on her babies well. So those are my top five for sure. That's awesome. And uh, <laughs> I see you're, you're passionate about every one of them. And that's, so that's, that shows in the passion for your business side. And of course, all that really isn't, doesn't seem like it's a business because it's what you do at home anyway. So you're just sharing your knowledge really. And then, and your, your successes you've had at home creating that piece for you. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's very fun. I really, <laughs> I really enjoy it. And it's fun to watch other moms. Like, they're like, this is amazing. Like, I know it's amazing. So and be it's able just, to, it's really fun all the way around. Be able to breathe at the end of the day. So that's good. Yeah. Like earlier, like you can sit and have a glass of wine, even with, all the kids still in the house. So that that's awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> so on the other side, as an entrepreneur, a lot of people listening here want to, they are thinking of opening businesses or they have a business and maybe they're seven glitches. What's some tips you would give them to get that business going or make it better? Yeah. You know what? I, I just read the 12 week work year. I believe that's what it's called. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And I am like, I'm sold. So I've been just some different books I've been reading of, you know, never want to stop learning, never want to stop growing as an entrepreneur. And so I think that's a big piece of it is just continuing to encourage yourself, even when nobody else is encouraging you. And then also finding people who are on your team, who are encouraging you and gathering those people around that can cheer you on along the way is 
really helpful. Support staff is always great. And the 12 week work year is great book. The first time I was reading it, I left it on my coffee table and my dog ate the front and back cover off in some of the first pages. So I guess she liked it also. So (laughs) either that or she just doesn't like books very much or me to read, but I kept that version of it. It's still ripped up here on the counter. I love that. (laughs) But that was my, when I first got the book, she just did not like me to read or be away from her, I guess. So that was her idea of, of getting back at me for reading. What kind of dog do you have? She she was a lab and pit mix. Oh, okay. Now I have a lab, a full lab, a lab pointer mix, a whippet, and a lab uh, corgi mix. Is that like eight different dogs, or is that just like two dogs? It's four dogs. Okay. What's <laughs> <I trust> you? <laughs> I had two lab pits, and then uh, added a whippet to that. The two lab pits passed away, and my wife said we gotta have. He needs a brother to be with him, so we adopted the lab pointer. Then they needed a brother, so we adopted the lab. <laughs> then they needed a sister, so we got the lab corgi. <laughs> okay. I don't even know what a whippet is. It's a, kind of like a smaller this... greyhound. Okay. I need to look this up. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like a, an Italian racing dog. Oh. Yeah. That's fancy. He's fast. But he's, I wouldn't call him a racer, but he's fast. He's kind of lazy and American now, so he's, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> So, Laura, if uh, moms or moms want to reach out to you to learn how to do some of your systems or if someone just wants to reach out to you to get in touch with you and have them on your you on their show, what's a good way to get in contact with you? Yeah. So my website is mamasystems.net. So M-A-M-A and then systems and at Mama Systems on Instagram and Facebook. And then Laura at Mama Systems is my email. So super easy. Super easy. And the website is going across the bottom of the screen now. It will be in the show notes. So those of you listening on uh, About Fresh Radio, if you go to our website, you will see it on our show notes. So you can get in touch with Laura and learn some systems to help you out and maybe get some tips that make your day a lot easier and let you live in peace. So, so Laura, thank you for taking the time and coming on and, of course, being healthy enough now to come back on and uh, get knocked this thing out. Yeah. I mean, covid that had yes. us down for sure. And I'm sure it's roughly that many people in the house. So hopefully it didn't go through everybody and then back around again. It did. And there's a thing called COVID rebound that we also had. Did you know oh, that that was gosh. a thing? I did not. <laughs> wow. I looked it up. It's like, so we had COVID and then we got sick again a few days later and was like, COVID rebound is what that's called. So ah, that had to be great. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Look out, everybody. COVID rebound. COVID rebound. <laughs> Uh, Laura, you have a great night and we'll catch you uh, next time. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are...